What is the difference between an acute and a persistent infection? How can some viruses become latent and then reappear at different moments of our life? This and much more in this episode of The Vial Talk. But before we get to that, as always, I would kindly ask you to subscribe to The Vial Talk on Spotify or any platform you're listening to this episode from, to follow The Vial Talk on Instagram and Twitter, and to leave a review of the episode on podchaser.com if you can. As always, the links will be provided in the show notes down below, in the show notes of the episode. And last but not least, I would also like to remind you that there's a new series of episodes with the presence of international experts in different aspects of virology, which is going to take place on this podcast in the following weeks. So stay tuned. But now, without further ado, let's go viral. Hello and welcome back to another episode of The Viral Talk, the podcast that makes virology easy. I'm your host, Federico, and as always, I'm incredibly excited to talk about the topic that's coming today. In this episode, we're going to uncover the difference between acute and persistent or chronic viral infections, to talk about how some viruses manage to skulk around in our body for years to then reactivate and cause havoc. But before that, as usual, let's start from the basics. So the first question that we gotta answer is, what is an acute infection? Because if it's different from a persistent infection, but we don't know what it is, then this podcast, this episode is gonna be pretty much useless. So by definition, an acute infection is characterized by a sudden or very rapid development of disease. So that can either be resolved quickly, thanks, for example, to a good immune response from our body, or because we answer very rapidly with drugs, or ultimately leads to death. Example of an acute viral infections are whenever we catch the flu or a cold, viral diarrheal diseases like rotavirus infection or adenovirus infections, yellow fever, rabies, many more, all the usual suspects, even SARS-CoV-2 and COVID-19, those are acute viral infections because we catch them, we start to be sick, and then either we recover or we die. Luckily, in the most cases, we recover. The common factors of these infections is that usually, once we clear it, which means that we survive it and then the symptoms go away, in order to be ill again, we would need to recatch it, so to re-encounter this virus in the wild, in the world. And this is the major difference with persistent viral infections. In fact, as the name suggests, persistent infections are not cleared by our body. And sometimes they are never cleared. Sure, there might be periods during which we do not suffer from the symptoms of infection, but this does not mean that we are not infected. Some viruses, in fact, are able to undergo a phase of their replicative cycle called latency. What does this mean? So latency is when a virus is present in our body, but it's found in a resting state, so it's not producing more virus. A latent viral infection, in fact, does not cause any noticeable symptoms and can last for long periods of time before getting reactivated and re-causing symptoms. Bear in mind, however, that latency is not the same as saying a, a subclinical infection. In fact, we call an infection subclinical if there are no symptoms. But just because we might not show signals that there is an infection going on, 
that we wouldn't, for example, be positive to tests or that the virus is not replicating. In fact, I'm pretty sure everyone knows by now, due to COVID and COVID testing that we've had to go through in the past years, that oftentimes, even though the virus is actively replicating in our body, it, we still do not show symptoms, but we're still positive for any diagnostic test that might come our way. That is not a latent infection. That is a subclinical infection because we, we don't have any symptoms and therefore we don't need necessarily a cure. But at the same time, we are still infected, the virus is still replicating and still present and detectable in our body. But latent infections, on the other hand, are quite different. And that is because usually, in this type of infections, the genome of the virus, of the latent virus, is fully retained in the infected cells, but very few viral proteins are being produced, if any. And no virion, no viral particle, so no completed, full-grown virus is produced. In fact, it would be very difficult to detect that there is any sign of an infection going on. And COVID-like diagnostic test would likely not work, would fail. But it doesn't end here. In fact, a latent viral infection, in fact, to be worthy of this name, needs to have two other properties. One is persistent, and the other one is reversibility. Let's start with reversibility. So with this term, I mean that a latent virus must have a way to quote-unquote resume reproduction. So basically it needs to have the capacity to reactivate itself, to reactivate full viral gene expression, and therefore leading to production of more infectious viral particles. If this is not a possibility, then the infection is usually called abortive. In essence, they are a dead-end type of infection, because if the virus stops replicating, but the genome is retained inside the cell that's just infected, but it has no way of, of restarting reproduction, then effectively the virus is no more. It's just a bit of a genome found in a cell that is unable to do anything. But thanks to reversibility, these viruses are able to persist even to the toughest, the harshest immune responses that they can find in our body. And from a dead end, a latent infection can become a very successful evolutionary strategy. Because think about it for a moment. If you had the ability to basically stop time for yourself every time you were in a very tough situation by making sure that, that there were bits of you lying dormant, lying around inside the host, the, the place that you've just gotten into. That is very, very powerful. There's a very powerful way to avoid imminent death due to the immune system of the host that you're just infected crushing you. Because we have to remember that viruses do not have that many ways to respond to a whole goddamn organism trying to kill them. Effectively, by becoming dormant, they can simply avoid it, they can simply skip it and then resume replication anytime there is the situation, the environment seems to be a little bit more favorable. 
there are only very few viral families that are known to be capable of becoming latent. The most famous examples, which I'm pretty sure all of you have already heard of at least once before, are herpes viruses, which is, comprehends a huge and widely distributed family of DNA viruses that are very important pathogens within their original host. And the ability to become latent is actually pretty defining, a pretty defining characteristic of their whole group. In fact, all known herpes viruses have the ability to become latent in every infected individual that is part of their natural host. Because of course, there are human herpes viruses, but there are also herpes viruses of ducks, herpes viruses of other mammals. And it's not necessarily true that they might be able to become latent if they were to infect a host which is different from their favorite one, simply because they didn't have the time to slowly evolve this mechanism to survive to the pressure found in a different host to the one that they've been growing, let's just say, evolving with throughout time. The other important viruses that are able to become latent, to undergo latency, are retroviruses. These are small RNA viruses which replicate via reverse transcription of their RNA genomes. And if you've been on this podcast for a while, you'll know that we talked about this type of replication in episode 7 called Viral Diversity. If you're new, go check it out, go listen to it, because it will explain some of the things that we're going to talk about in this episode. These viruses are able to generate DNA from their RNA, and the resulting DNA is inserted then in the host genome, from which it generally cannot be moved out, thus leading to latency and persistence. By far, the best characterized example of retroviral latency occurs in HIV, which pretty sure all of us know or heard at least once, as the virus is, this virus is able to infect and then become latent in a, a group of long-lived memory T-cells, which basically makes it impossible to get rid of as long as we live. Just to give you an idea of how successful this replication mechanism, this survival strategy is, a study was carried out some time ago, according to a study actually published in 2005, that there are more, there are actually approximately 98,000 human endogenous retroviruses found in our genome. These are ancient retroviruses that infected us way back when. And then they didn't manage to reactivate and get excised out of our DNA, so they stayed there. And there are there's so many, there's such a big portion of our genome, it's actually estimated that 5 to 8% of our total DNA is actually endogenous ancient retroviruses that didn't manage to get excised out of our genome, but that now are part of us, and technically they keep surviving to this day because of this. But moving on from this, how can viruses undergo a latent phase? Like, why, if it's so successful, why don't all viruses do it? And 
is there any specific biological reason for it? Well, as always in these cases, there are multiple ways in which different viruses can become latent. And I will not talk about all of them in details because for one, I am not an expert in latent viral infections. And secondly, there are so many different viruses that do this that we would stay here all day long talking about them. So let's start with a very famous example, which is herpes simplex viruses. They are very complex. They are very big DNA viruses that encode many different genes that allow them to adapt to different environments that they can find within the same host. But interestingly, their main form of replication is the standard one, is the acute infection one. They infect a cell, they start reproducing their proteins, then hijack the cell, make more DNA, and then get out of it, killing it, causing inflammation and so on and so forth. However, when the conditions to support this type of life cycle, of replication cycle, are not there, are not present, then they can switch to their latent phase. When we first get infected by herpes, for example, we develop cold sores, which are nothing but the symptoms of active acute viral infections from herpes, herpes viruses. They infect the cells, they damage them, and this causes swelling, inflammation, and the development of cold sores, the one that we know of. However, when they keep spreading and they get out of the epithelial cells, which are the ones on our surface, on our skin, for example, on our mouth, and move towards for, uh, our sensory neurons, which are the ones that make the sensory messages, so the ones that are involved in sensing temperature, touch, pain, uh, spiciness and so on and so forth and relay the message to our brain through their axons which are part of their cells. Now herpes virus is able to infect these sensory neurons but but the main theory is that since these sensory neurons have a very different cell structure because they have an uncommon shape they're very long and there is quite a bit of distance from the point of entry of the virus to the nucleus, which is where their viral DNA is replicated. When the virus enters and releases its genome inside the cells, this is efficiently transferred into the nucleus through the cell's cytoskeleton, which is basically the highways of cells, the, uh, the ways in which cells move proteins around inside themselves. But all the other viral proteins which are required to kickstart the lytic reproduction cycle do not get transferred to the nucleus as fast and as efficiently. This inefficient transport of proteins leads to the viral genome being all alone in the nucleus and not being able to reproduce and start a lytic life cycle. So when this happens, the cell recognizes that there's something going on, there's some more DNA, DNA that is additional, like, like a surplus. And since it's not needed to do anything useful for the cell, then it gets inactivated, quote-unquote, through a very complicated process which is called chromatinization that I'm not going to dwell on. But then, when we get stressed uh, or exert ourselves too much or undergo very intense periods, both mentally and physically, our cells undo this chromatinization process for many reasons that are not fully understood yet. But the main theory is that stress is able to change our DNA, so to make us in some way remember and pass on to our children and our progeny very stressful inputs from the environment.
So this stress reactivates the viral DNA, which is now accessed by the host machinery, which starts making viral proteins that increase in numbers and start making more viral proteins until a whole new virus is made again. And then we have active viral replication and a new wave of cell death. That's why we might notice that we got cold sores during very stressful periods or when we're feeling particularly down or when our immune systems get slow because of another infection or because of a particular treatment that we're undergoing for some specific disease. We also have, however, another type of persistent infection, which is actually known as chronic infection. This normally happens when, rather than having viruses that infect, trigger an acute immune response and then lay dormant for a while, we have a virus that just stubbornly keeps infecting and infecting cells at low levels for months or even years on end. The best example are HIV and hepatitis B virus. HIV is probably the best example for this type of chronic infection. And this is because actually HIV is kind of a, like jack-of-all-trades because it's able to do it all. So when we first thing get, get infected by it, normally after two, three weeks from the beginning of the infection, we have a period of intense malaise, flu-like symptoms, diarrhea, and so on and so forth. And during this period, as you might have guessed, HIV is replicating normally like any, any other acute viral infection. But as the immune response builds up, the virus kind of slows its growth. It replicates less and less, but it's not eradicated completely. First, because on one hand, some HIV viruses get inside cells and then they manage to stay there indefinitely, similarly to herpes, so they become dormant, unable to replicate, but also impossible to detect. On the other hand, the majority of the virus keeps changing and mutating throughout the infection, making it impossible for our immune system to produce a good antibody response that can fully neutralize it. In this way, the virus keeps reproducing for years, slowly chipping away at our immune system. That is because the major target of HIV is immune cells. So by replicating in those and killing them, it slowly decreases the defenses that, that our body can produce. Also because immune cells cannot be reproduced indefinitely for as long as we live. There is a limit to the amount of reproduction that these cells can, can do. And during this, during this phase, during this slow replication phase, the virus establishes a so-called chronic infection where it replicates, it replicates and it, it is also detectable by diagnostic test, but is found in very low quantities, sometimes even below the threshold of common diagnostic tests that can be done. So to summarize what we've been talking about in this episode, acute infection and latent or chronic infections are actually quite different in the way that not only they show up, but also in the type of viruses that can cause this type of infections. Latent infections can only be caused by very small group of viruses, either herpes viruses, which are DNA viruses, or retroviruses like HIV. Most viruses able to cause 
latent viral infections are also able to cause acute viral infections and this is usually the way in which they normally would reproduce. However, when the environment becomes less favorable, they're able to switch their life cycle, their life cycle, their reproduction, reproduction cycle, and become almost invisible to our immune system. HIV in particular is not only able to cause acute and latent viral infections, but also chronic viral infections, because they this type of virus is able to slowly replicating constantly and constantly killing cells and causing a little by little more and more damage to our organism for months to years. Having said so, we have now reached the end of this episode of the Viral Talk. I do hope that it was enjoyable for you and please feel free to contact the Viral Talk on Instagram or Twitter or via email if you have any related questions to this topic. It was great fun for me to place it all together, and it will be even more fun to discuss it further with you. As for every episode, I will provide additional material in the show notes if you want to know more about the topic yourself, or if you want to know more about specific viruses. If you have not already done so, please follow the Viral Talk on Instagram and Twitter. And if you did like the episode, please, please, please leave a review on podchaser.com. That would be a massive help for the podcast as these type of reviews help the channel grow and to reach new people. Now, before our usual farewells, I actually wanted to point out or remind you, if you listen to the previous episode or to the beginning of this one, that there is a special episode series coming in the following weeks called Ask a Professional, in which I will be in the company of other virologists from different parts of UK and the world, asking them questions about their research, what brought them to choose a career in science, and also, to ask for a little bit of advice for people that, like me, would like to do the same. The first guest on the show is going to be Mark Stenglain from the Colorado State University, which is going to tell us about vector-borne viruses. That's it. This is the last thing that I wanted to say. See you next time, and don't forget to go viral. <laughs>